sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Imagine 20 years ago we would tell you that there'd be one individual that would take over the Boston Red Sox franchise, would end up winning the World Series, leaving, and then going over to the lovable Cubs, the lovable losers, winning a World Series there, and then leave the game completely? That could be where we're at. Craig Mish, Joe Pizapia, this is Fantasy Sports Today, our top story here at the top of the hour. Theo Epstein, who built both franchises, or maybe we should say rebuilt both franchises in Boston and Chicago, today decides to step away from president of baseball operations. The Cubs apparently will go with his very trusted assistant, Jed Hoyer, who has been phenomenal, by the way, with Theo in both places, Boston and Chicago. Jed Hoyer takes over. Theo Epstein, what's next? That's what everyone's asking today. Yeah, it is. And I think what everyone's going to do also start to look back at the legacy of Theo Epstein. And I've been thinking about it, too, since the break. And I'm starting to think that maybe the Cubs effort is actually the more impressive one because, you know, the Boston Red Sox were competitive all throughout with Mo Vaughn and Nomar Garcia Parra. Those are all teams that were very competitive. They were in the playoffs. They were in the hunt quite a bit. And what he was able to do is kind of take a team, bring in the right manager, bring in the right scenario here and kind of get them over the hump. But I feel like the Cubs was different. The Cubs was really, I think, his baby that he built from scratch and figured out whether it be the acquisition of Anthony Rizzo and eventually then signing pitchers, you know, like John Lester and guys like that, that they were able to bring into this organization and then making that move and mortgaging the future to bring in a closer like Aroldis right. Chapman and trade mm-hmm. away your number one prospect in Glaber Torres only to lose Chapman in free agency back to the Yankees. And I got to tell you, Craig, I think of both of the achievements, if you're going to measure them next to each other, even though that I would say the Boston Red Sox had greater overall success, I think the more impressive turnaround for me, because it really truly was a turnaround instead of a get you over the on the top of the mountain or over the hump, as you will, is the Chicago Cubs job for me. I think that job that he did with that organization was even more impressive because the Cubs did have a long period of time where they were not relevant, whereas the Red Sox you know, typically were competitive, like you said. Right, they were a good team. That's fair. Look, they were they were good for a while. They just couldn't get over the hump. They went to the World Series mm-hmm. in 86. They, you know, had the Aaron Boone, Aaron Boone moment in 2003. You're right. They did have, they, they were good. They just couldn't get over. The Cubs were just never good. And so right. it was a tougher gig for sure to do that. But I, I think personally, and, and I had heard this a month ago too, but the writing was really on the wall. And, and I think that for me, Watching Miami dismantle Chicago in Chicago in the postseason and literally, Joe, dismantle. They they scored one run in two games. Uh, oh and again, that takes nothing away from the Marlins and what they accomplished, but they needed to fare better against the Marlins than they did there. The Braves, by the way, swept the Marlins in four straight games. So uh, I think that Theo was looking at it probably saying, my gosh, like, what do we have here even? Like, Chris Bryant's going to be gone, and Baez really went the other way this year. And Anthony Rizzo, great player, maybe even Hall of Fame potential player, but he's not getting any younger, and Lester is gone, and we have you Darvish, and what else? Like, I mean, it's got to be scary. (laughs) There's not a super bright future for the next few years there. So. I don't know what he's going to end up doing. I'll speculate like that on Twitter, I'm sure, and, and others will as well. But he's definitely going to be coveted. It's just up to him as to whether or not he wants to get back in the game. Although he did write a letter 
uh, explaining his intentions. And one of those specifically was being out of baseball next year, just being out and not being in the game. So we'll see. All right, two games in the MAC tonight. Crum, the quarterback from Kent State. This is someone Joe is just watching every play, every throw, scouting for fantasy football next year. He's going to be in the draft. No one's talking about him now. By the time we get to the draft, we will be. He'll be a second-round pick, third-round pick, maybe even higher than that. 62 points for Kent State last week. They're a 25-point favorite tonight. They'll probably win by 70. Clevenger out for the season, but signs a contract right before that, so he gets himself taken care of for 2022, I suppose. Uh, Mike Clevenger had Tommy John surgery, so don't uh, have him in your fantasy plans for next year. Good news for Andy Dalton. He's back practicing for the Cowboys. I actually think they should stick with Gilbert, if you ask me. I thought he was pretty good. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hurricanes have to postpone two of their games, one against Georgia Tech. That's going to come later in December. Just too many COVID cases for them. Uh, J.C. Horn leaving South Carolina to focus on the draft. Of course, their coach in Muschamp just got fired, so that does make some sense there as well. But, uh, Joe, like... I understand the Cowboys' notion to go to Andy Dalton, give him a shot, right? Like, you you had the right back up there. But haven't we seen enough of Dalton in a season where Dallas is done to just say, let's see maybe what Gilbert has? Because I don't don't think Andy Dalton's going to play beyond this year. I don't know if you you see it that way. I I don't see him playing another season. So to me, Dallas is out. They're done. Why why not let Gilbert play a little bit? Or maybe even Rush play a little bit. Just see what you got. I, I, I can't believe we're here. We're having a quarterback controversy between Gilbert and Dalton. But I, I kind of agree with you. I'd rather see what Gilbert is. Let's evaluate him. I mean, certainly the offense looked better. They certainly responded better. And look, can we also take in a moment that he was playing against the Pittsburgh Steelers, the best defense potentially in the league? I mean, doesn't he get a little extra points for that? I understand it wasn't perfect, but the guy was at least competitive for the first half of that game, and they certainly made C.D. Lamb look better. I bet if you pulled C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper and those guys, they'd say, yeah, let's get this Gilbert guy a shot. That's, to me, I think right. what they should do. I think it's good that they have Dalton back. But I got to tell you, I mean, at this point, if you're the Cowboys, is it more about winning games or is it more about evaluating what's on your roster? I don't know what the answer to that question is. I'm not sure if they know. But I think Gilbert might be. Do the they best. think they're still in it? I think they do because it's the East, and I also think maybe not only does Gilbert give them the best chance to win games, but it's also important to evaluate him too for next year and whether this is the guy to back up Dak Prescott. Yeah, I think so. I uh, look, Andy Dalton's had a very good career in the NFL. No one will ever call him a Hall of Famer, but it's it's hard to play in this league. He played in a very tough spot in Cincinnati. All right, coming up next, Kyler Murray's red hot. What about his sports cards? How much are they worth? Where can you get them? We'll tell you next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. As always, we check in on the sports card market with our good friend Josh Cohen of PCSportsCards.com, sending out 10,000 cards a week on behalf of his customers to get graded to PSA. So he sees more cards every week than he wants to. But business (laughs) is good, clearly, if you're sending out 10,000 cards a week, obviously. So, uh, Josh, great to see you again. How was your weekend? Thanks, man. Uh, it was a great weekend again. ASU not playing, but Michigan got killed, so my wife was upset. 
So uh, 12,000 cards again this week. And what I didn't tell you before the show was we actually broke 300,000 cards for the year. Yeah, I, I mean, I would. So in the last five years, if you were doing this, would you say that you would have hit three thousand, uh, three hundred thousand, or is it is that the no. amount that no, right? No, no way. Uh, last year we did like fifty thousand cards. I figured this year was going to be between a hundred and then two hundred thousand, and it just exploded. Three hundred thousand. Yeah, the, the card market's been crazy, so we like to catch up on it. And nothing crazier right now, Josh, with the I would say the heat that is on uh, Kyler Murray <laughs> right now. Uh, Kyler Murray is right now in the thick of it for potential NFL MVP. And based on the way that he played down the stretch last year, I don't think anybody thought that would have been a possibility now. Uh, And and I would imagine, Josh, that uh, his cards are just going through the roof. So do you have any in hand that uh, that are really exploding right now? Sure. Uh, His real his high end is really exploding right now. We actually just sold this card. We sold his um, national treasures throwback variation logo man one of one this week um it's one of his top five or ten cards overall we're pretty much buying other kyler murray right now we're not really selling it but this one we just moved because it was the right time we actually sold it before this week's game gotcha yeah and and the hail mary on on sunday is what everybody's talking about so like how do you determine that as somebody who's in the business whether to buy or sell because it's like on the outside looking in i would think I mean, Josh, honestly, like, unless he's going to win the Super Bowl or win the MVP, like, isn't now the time? What, what am I missing? Yeah, he's an electric player, right? He's exciting like Lamar is. That's why Lamar went up last year. That's why Lamar won the MVP last year. Um, now is a really good time to sell some of the more common Kyler Murray cards, like the Prism rookies and all the inserts and stuff like that, and pick up some of the harder-to-find ones, like the one-of-one one that we just sold also, the contenders tickets and all the cards that are a little bit more rare. It's a good time to sort of move your investment over from something that's easy to get to something that's harder to get. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, the rare stuff is definitely going to move the needle. And Thursday night, what a big showdown he has. It may determine if he wins MVP when they play against Seattle. It's a, it's a monster game for us. We'll talk about it here on this show, of course. Uh, you know, I always love going through uh, vintage items. And and I know that since you're you know sending out you know, five figures in cards every week. You got to be getting some back every week too. And, and part of that is also getting vintage stuff. So any, anything cool in terms of what you got back this week? I know we, I like to talk about vintage a lot. So any, anything cool to, to show us? Vintage is a cool market right now, right? It's just, it's finally catching up to where it should be. And we got a Pete Maravich tall boy PSA eight back. It's like a $3,500, $4,000 card. You just don't really see cards come in in a condition like this. They're so condition sensitive and they're so old. I mean, it's a 50-year-old card. Right. And it's coming back in that high of a grade, which is amazing. Yeah. I mean, my Kareem came back in a seven. We're waiting on my Wilt Chamberlain. If you want to go back and watch our show on demand, we're getting that card graded. Josh and I are waiting to see what we had. I think Josh had it at a five and I got mad at him. <laughs> so I, I I said six or seven or something like that, but you his thought it was better. an eight, I think. And I think oh stop, I never five. said eight. I, I said six, seven. So I said eight because I want to be able to you know go go buy myself something nice. But but again, this is in my family. It's hard for me to look at something that I'm going to sell. Hopefully next week or the week after we'll have that result for you. Uh, another card you want to show us? I know this week Aaron Rodgers. Uh, you know, look, Aaron Rodgers is not the favorite to win the NFL MVP, but he's in the conversation on Fanduel. He's three to one. Um, what is the card market like for Aaron Rodgers right now? Aaron Rodgers' cards were way undervalued because of last year, and we have a PSA 10 rookie contenders auto, um, very hard grade to get. It's probably about a $20,000 card. Uh, last year, they were going about ten or $11,000, so the market's finally catching up on him. 
You saw guys like Brady and Breeze blow up in the past couple of years. And for some reason, Rodgers just trailed behind. So I think it's a good time to start getting some more of his cards and putting them away. Yeah, I think I, I think I have with you, I think I sent at least a couple of tops, just like his tops base cards. The 2005? And, and, yeah, and I and I think that my, my tactic with that stuff, Josh, is I'm not like a box breaker anymore. I just, I, I you know, it, they're very expensive, and I don't know what I'm going to get. I know it's, like, less boring, but I'm, like, more willing to get a set of something. And and I and I know that I it's not fun because you know exactly the cards you're going to get in there. But in terms of grading, that's kind of the way that I go. I don't know if that's the smart move to do it, but you know again, and the two Rogers cards I think I got. I think I got one that was really good centered, and then one that was not. So and I know the one that's not is not coming back a ten or probably even a nine. So I don't know if that's a smart thing to do, but the sets are cheaper and the cards are mint. So I mean, yeah, I, they're I, they're usually in better condition, right? Because they're always in that box and they don't really move around, so they don't bang around. Um, and you are getting the one that you know you're going to get. So it it's it makes sense to pull those out that way. And it's easy to value those, right? You know what you're going to get before you even open it. So you can make an easy value on it. You're not going to lose anything on it. Um, and there's a bigger gamble when you open boxes and when you open cases because you don't know what's going to come in that case or that box. So you're taking that chance, and there's the higher upside, but there's also the lower downside of it. Sure. I, I think the 05 tops was his rookie. I think the sets are like a hundred bucks. I, I got it for less, but I think it was, I think Gore is in there. Frank Gore is in there. Also, I picked up uh, that. I think I did two of those sets. One came good. One came bad. I did the same thing with Russell Wilson. One came good. And as you know, with the centering on that, I feel, on like, Russell I feel Wilson. like Gore was like 1990 or something like that. He's been in the league so long. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, oh, same year as Rogers, actually. The 05, that white tops card. Um, if, if we that's don't a have good price. $100 for that set's a good price. That comes back as a PSA 10. You're making a lot of money. A lot it. of money, right? It's got to be a 10, though. That's that's the yeah. point there. Well, speaking of which, a few weeks ago, not, not in terms of vintage, but I was an 80s card collector. So naturally, with all of the grading going on, I sent in several cards from the 1987 Topps Tiffany set. And this is one that I did get a 10 in, and this is Bo Jackson's 1987 Topps Tiffany here on the Kansas City Royals. Josh, as you can see, also ended up getting McGuire in a 10-2, shockingly enough. Uh, you know, I'm, the 87 Topps are really hard series to grade, but wh where are you at with Bo Jackson? This is like a few hundred dollar card. I feel like it should be worth more. Like McGuire should not be more than Bo Jackson in a 1987 Topps uh, PSA 10. Do you think he's undervalued? Is there confusion because of football cards versus baseball cards with Bo Jackson? He's the best athlete we've ever had. He's a, he's a ridiculous athlete. Um, I don't know if he's un, if that card's undervalued. It hasn't moved a lot, so it's probably a little bit undervalued. I think it can go up to like six, seven hundred bucks over time. Um, if you look at the percentages of PSA 10s versus the card graded, the base card actually might be a better value. Even though it's only 75 or 80 bucks, you might have a better upside percentage-wise mm. in prof for profit if you look at that card. There's really I – I looked at the pop reports th this morning, mm -hmm. and I was surprised to see how few of them were actually sent in for grading compared to other cards from the 80s and the early 90s. Yeah, yeah and, and I did send in – uh, even with you to get graded, I, I believe it was probably like a ten, like ten 1987 tops Bo Jackson cards, just standard without Tiffany, and I didn't get any tens yeah. out of that. And the Tiffany ended up being a ten, which was shocking because again, that's what I would have preferred. Uh, I know that you are a collector of of early 80s cards too. I believe you were born in '83, so you got a nice little collection going. Let's take a look at that. Yeah, I'm putting together the whole 1983 set in PSA 10, so that's about 800 cards. I'm 95 cards into it. 
Uh, Gwyn, Boggs, and Sandberg are the three key rookies in that year, and they've all gone up a lot in the past six to 12 months, like doubled and tripled their value. So reverting back to the 87s, those might trail behind and they might get there at some point. Um, when we're talking about 1980s baseball, I always bring up Ricky Henderson rookie cards because that's sure. really, really the gold standard of why grading is important. If you look at those cards, a PSA 8 is like 150 bucks. A PSA 9 has gone from 500 up to about 1500 now. And the elusive PSA 10, where there's literally 24 out of 21,000 graded, is about $40,000 now. Wow. Wow. So yeah. that, that's that's the craze of grading right there. Yeah, no, it is. And and I'm fortunate to have a couple of Rickies. I think I have eights. But yeah, I don't I've never I, I never looked at any of my Ricky Henderson cards throughout <laughs> my life and thought they'd be a 10. I still don't think that now. Uh, but yeah, I could understand how that would be a tough card to grade for sure. Wow. Great conversation today, Josh. A lot of fun going through <laughs> 80s cards, NFL cards. Josh is all in on Kyler Murray's rare cards. We'll talk to you again next week. Josh, have a great week. Looking forward to it. OK. Sounds sounds great, Craig. You too, man. All right, go on Instagram, PC Sports Cards. Make sure you check him out. He's submitting more cards than anyone else in the country. He knows the business, folks. You want to get your guards graded, check Josh out. We'll take a quick break. Be back with more fantasy sports today in just two minutes. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, well, if Kyler Murray wins the NFL MVP, Joe Pizzapia has said that he is going to retire from sports altogether with the amount of money that he is going to cash in on the FanDuel Sportsbook. They're very worried over at FanDuel, Joe, this big ticket that you have on Murray to win the MVP. I mean, we're talking about maybe buying a Land Rover for yourself. Uh, I think you already have a pool, so maybe some other luxury that you're going to buy with this. And, and I know that... I mean, it's it's just going to really be a life changer. Well, I might just leave the show, which is really, um, you should be rooting for Kyler Murray. I mean, I could probably just retire. You want to deal with me every day. I mean, really, you should be rooting for Kyler Murray to win this award more than anybody, I would imagine, here. Uh, so uh, I, I don't know. We'll see if it all comes to fruition or not. But look, it, I, we talked about it last week. It seemed like a good wager because why? It's 25 to 1. You looked at the schedule and he played Josh Allen, Russell Wilson in consecutive weeks. So we're going to have an idea after Thursday night football where he stands here. And if he has a great showing, it loses in a strange situation here. And Russell Wilson gets more turnovers, but wins the game. I don't know if it makes Russell Wilson all of a sudden this guy that's still elevated in that thought process, because I think what we're failing to recognize here is the statistical pace that Kyla Murray is on is record setting it's never happened in the nfl and all he has to do is stay on pace and i haven't seen any team really been able to consistently stop this guy even the buffalo bills i think did a great job against kyle murray last week the way they brought that pass rush in waves and able to get him moving one way and then bring the next wave over to get him it was really clever but eventually they wore down and by the time he got to the fourth quarter kyler murray took over that football game and and look russell wilson patrick Mahomes, those are all those favorites for a reason but look at the difference week over week of josh allen here on this number two, just by losing that game to the Cardinals. Look at what happened. 30 seconds. What a difference it made in the odds. 
Yeah, and it was a head-to-head game and a very lucky play at the end for sure. But I, I think that that's what you got to do. You got to adjust the odds as they go. So let's take a look. We're at FanDuel. If you're betting this right now, you can get Patrick Mahomes at plus 175. I didn't realize he has 25 touchdowns and one interception until I saw that. That is staggering. Yeah, what a great year he's having. Again. <laughs> Russell Wilson was about plus 200. Now he's plus 280, 2789 in terms of the yards, 28 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Aaron Rodgers is 3 to 1, 2578 is his passing total number, 25 touchdowns, three picks. Murray with 2375 passing, 604 rushing, 27 combined touchdowns because 10, 10 of them are rushing, also has eight interceptions, which is second most on this list. Uh, also, it's worth noting that Tom Brady and Josh Allen both are long shots at this point, one at 20 to one, one at 23 to one. And although their numbers are, are above some of the other players, uh, it's worth noting that they've both played 10 games and, and uh, they played more than the rest. So that's really important to note because these other players are going to catch them at this point. So I think part of what you said I think is accurate and part I'm not sure about. I, I think that if Arizona wins Thursday, then I think that you're gonna you will not be able to catch Murray at eight to one anymore. It'll probably move up to about four to one or five to one, and then I would think Wilson would get some drop back too. But unfortunately, Joe, I think that if Seattle beats Arizona, I think that that would be the end of of Murray for MVP. I, I don't I don't think that he can win and they lose that game because of the guy that specifically he'd be going against. So I understand what you're mm-hmm. saying if he has a monster game and they lose in a fluky way. And I suppose you could have said that this past week with Diggs catching a great touchdown. They lose in a fluky way. I mean, he made a great catch. Mm-hmm. But right. uh, And I'm not saying that the winner of this game is the MVP by any stretch, but I, I think that whoever is becomes in the top three permanently the rest of the way, and whoever does not, yeah. I think, is out. And that would go for Wilson, too. If Murray beats Wilson, I can make the case that they should they should swap. And I'll tell you what, too. I'll take it a step further that uh, I think that if this is a lackluster game for both of these guys – then all of a sudden those Patrick Mahomes odds really start to look like he might be the, I, I guess, default MVP. I mean, what an incredible world we live in where we have all these options for MVP. I don't ever remember being quite this muddy yeah, this far into the season. Yeah. It is crazy. This is what you look at at a board, I think, going into a year. You say, okay, all these guys have an opportunity. Not at week 11. In week 11, you're like, okay, it's these three guys, maybe four. I mean, these guys, you can all make a case. You can make a case for Aaron Rodgers. You can certainly make a case for Tom Brady. Man, I bet he wishes he had a do-over on those two games against New Orleans because outside of that, what a great story he is, uh, potentially, in this one, too. Josh Allen has been outstanding, but Josh Allen's had highs and lows, and I think that's really unfortunate. Like, I think that is the reason why you get where Josh Allen is right now at these rankings. And look, he was 8-1 to last week, and now he is 23. So look how much that's changing. Basically, it's yeah, yeah, he's, at one point, yeah, he was but that's that's what the market is. It's right. listen, all of this is the stock market and playing it in the right, right spot. And and you have tremendous odds on getting what you got, but you know the job is not done. And that's that's the whole thing here. It's like it's only good here's if you the win. Question. Yeah, you're no smarter hedging. than me. You're smarter than me when it comes to this stuff. So I'm going to ask you a question. Let's say Kyler Murray wins this game Thursday night, beats Russell Wilson, yep. looks great, and the odds go down to four to one now. Do I put more money in there or do I hedge and then I go along with Patrick Mahomes just to just because I've got the great odds with Murray and do I get some safe money there with Mahomes potentially because then it does start to feel like with five weeks left in the season, maybe a two horse race. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I would have to know more about the finances. It's a two-figure bet or a three-figure bet or a four-figure bet. But in general, I would, I'm going to guess that we're talking about a three-figure bet or less, which in this case, I don't think that I would hedge at all. It's probably not enough. I, I don't. I'm like, I don't know the specifics of it, but it doesn't sound like it's enough okay. specifically that it's gonna that you're gonna win like what do you ten mean? grand. I'm retiring. Right? You said I'm retiring off this bet. It's a huge. This is that all. That was in. the beginning this of the, the segment, and this is the middle. That's where we go. We go down. Oh, that's where we've 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 fallen off already. All right. Yeah. Okay. Now, if you thought that the NFL MVP odds were wacky, take a look at the Heisman Trophy odds, <laughs> and and this is just flat out crazy because the only one that you could have got better odds on something like this than Kyler Murray was Kyle Trask, who was thirty to one two weeks ago to win, two weeks ago to win the Heisman. He's now the favorite in college football at two to one. He wasn't even the favorite yesterday. He is today. Justin Fields of Ohio State is plus 250. Lawrence is also plus 250, and 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 he's got a few games left, too. And Mac Jones has fallen for no reason at all. They just they didn't play, so he went down. It's wild. So he's still 3-1. to one. It is anybody's Heisman to win of these first four. And I want to put Zach Wilson in there because, in the end, I, I think he's got a shot to be invited. Well, I don't even know. If they're probably going to do it virtually, actually, now that I think about it. So I, I maybe invited online or however they're going to do it this year. He's 40-1. <laughs> to one. He has been great. He doesn't get enough credit for what BYU has been. Their defense is so good. Mm-hmm. But he's also been very good for them. So this is almost impossible to handicap because you have teams playing some weeks, Joe. They're not playing some weeks. And on mm-hmm. top of that, you have some teams playing a lot of games, others not. I mean, we all thought Trevor Lawrence was the Heisman Trophy winner going into the year, and it was a foregone conclusion. But not only has Trask put himself in a position to win the Heisman, he's put himself in a position to be the second overall pick in the NFL draft mm-hmm. right behind Lawrence or the third yeah. overall pick right behind Fields. Joe, we could have the first three picks of the NFL draft next year all be quarterbacks. It is a very strong possibility at this point. Well, depending on where the teams finish, it's definitely possible. There's no doubt about that. Certainly Jacksonville will be looking for a quarterback. Certainly the Jets will be looking for a quarterback. I think that's, that's safe to say that's in a new two. regime. <laughs> that's two. That's two in a row, maybe. So whoever gets that, whoever that other two win team, and that that's going to be the question is like some teams that I think people didn't realize were going to be quite as bad as they are are hovering in that three win range right now. So that's yeah. going to be a fascinating yeah. thing to to figure out. And some of them have quarterbacks that they like. It's whether or not you're going to change for one of these guys. But I'm mad at you, Craig, because this is a Florida guy. You're a Florida man. I know. I should have been in on it. And I don't understand, like, why aren't you calling me up in the middle of the night and saying, Joe, come on now. Look, I know you got the house payment on Kyler Murray here, but you got to put on this trash guy. This is my guy. I'm telling you, I bleed the orange and blue here. And I'm I didn't telling believe you right now, this is the guy. <laughs> but why didn't you it believe it? Is it because he's a Florida guy? You uh, don't believe in the Florida man? He's a first-year starter in college football. This is the equivalent of picking Burrow. Yeah. Okay, well, what was the instinct that put him on the list for you in the first place like, a couple weeks ago when you were saying, oh, oh and Fandle by the way, at 31? No, it was Fandle's No, but list. when you add him to the graphic, you said, hey, by the way, let's oh, talk about the Gator. Track. And I just wanted to put a Gator on there, but I didn't think he had a shot at the Heisman. Zero. This, this could have been the feel-good story. He's playing out of his mind. He's playing out yes. of his mind. He Listen to me. He came in last in that game. This, this is no different than Barrow at LSU. He came in at the end of last year. They had this kid, Felipe Frank, their quarterback. Frank's got hurt. He's now, I believe, on Arkansas. He played. They played against each other this past week. And, mm-hmm. and Felipe Franks was not very good. The Gators wanted to make him good, but he wasn't very good. Trask came in last year, and Joe, he was okay. He played okay. He played well enough to believe that he should be the starter over Felipe Franks. 
So Felipe Franks at the end of the year smartly said, well, if I'm going to get to the NFL in my final year of eligibility, I got to go. They let him out, which is rare, but they let him out and let him go to another team in the SEC. So now he's at Arkansas. He still has no future in the NFL, but he is at least getting a shot to play. And Trask has become a star. And he was not a star when they recruited him. He was not a star last year. He was not a star in the first few weeks of the season, but neither was Joe Burrow. <laughs> Joe That's Burrow true. was not all. It's a mess. I mean, they thought he was good, but not that good. And and not and and Trask's trajectory right now is online to do the same thing. Will he be the first overall pick in the NFL draft? You cannot rule that out right now. You can't. There's a change. I, I don't know if I can rule it out, but I think that's that's asking a lot to leapfrog Lawrence because we've been watching that guy play for a couple probably. years now. Probably. I think that would that would probably be if you ask me, it's more probable he wins the Heisman than he becomes the number one overall pick over Trevor Lawrence. It now that's right. barring an injury. Barring an injury. But still, I, I mean, at this point, you still, I believe, would say that Mac Jones is probably the best wager here, right? Because Alabama and where he at three to one. I, I mean, it's all stats now from here to the rest of the season. I thought Mac Jones was the best bet a few weeks ago, but uh, they're running the ball a lot more now. And mm. and again, the quality of competition is going to be important. So and the schedules are also wacky. They're playing, you know, they're skipping games and things of that nature. So. It's a tough call for me with the Heisman for sure. Fantasy reality is next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. Dr. David Chow will be on our program tomorrow. We'll go through the injury report in the NFL, the walking wounded, so to speak. Find out whether or not you can count on certain players playing this weekend in the NFL. And I know, Joe, we're also coming down to the end of the regular season of fantasy football. For most people, if I'm not mistaken, it's three games left, right? Three reg- Is that feel right? Three regular season games? <laughs> and that's it? Well, yeah, or, well, it depends. It depends on your league. But most of the time you're playing your playoffs, you should be anyway, 14, 15, 16. If you're playing in week 17, come here and let me smack you around because that is just insane. Why would you do that to yourself? Why would you play all year long, go through the torture of this season with all these injuries, all these issues, all the COVID stuff, only to then go to week 17 where teams are sitting guys and not playing their best players? Well, what, what are you thinking about? Why would you be playing week 17 championship games? So, yes. Yes, weeks 14, 15, and 16. So, yes, we have 11, 12, 13. This is also probably the last week for most leagues to make trades. I know in Flex League, this is our uh, last deadline Thursday. So maybe Thursday we come back here in the afternoon with a little one more time trade targets, try to help some people out, some guys that might be able to help them down the stretch run or in the playoffs, obviously, as well. So we'll try to do that one more time for you guys. But, yeah, look. Week 17, Craig, you don't play in any Week 17 championships. No. Right? I mean, come on. That's the dumbest thing. No, ever. and I'm not even going to be playing in Week 16. I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, my, my teams were good at the beginning of the season, and I just I, – I was not able to work the waiver wire the proper way this year that I thought – I really uh, blew a lot of money on Ernest Johnson in the leagues that I was in, 
But I got to tell you, had I kept the money, I don't know that I would have picked up anyone that would have been viable to play. Uh, just too many injuries and, and, and guys went south for me. And unfortunately, I'll be on FanDuel playing DFS. So that's probably my only option. How, how many leagues do you think you'll make it in this year? Uh, well, my right now, I am just this week after that Alex Smith crazy game, Malcolm Brown had a couple of touchdowns and Damian Harris. I am now back in the thick of my favorite one to defend the title behind me. You see the title. So I am now fourth in the standings, even though I am five and five because of where my points total is for the year. And I get to play the number one team that is undefeated 10 and 0. Everybody is wow. six and four or five and five, except one team is 10 and 0. And that is mm. Mike Randall from the Action Network, good friend of mine who I've done wagering podcasts with and writes for the Black Book. And he is a, he's a wonderful guy, a great fantasy football player, and um, he's he's already talking trash already. And I can't wait. I want to get in on this. But, but uh, Roto League, I am probably going to miss out on the money right there. Uh, Scott Fishbowl, I'm still around 500, so I'm still competitive. I'm still fighting for a playoff spot there, despite. Losing oh, Saquon Barkley there in week two, that was not good. But my Falcon stack, luckily, has been able to uh, kind of carry me over. So I would say probably in the 10 leagues, I'm looking at probably like five playoffs right now. So it's not a great ratio there, unfortunately, this year. But hey, I think five, they can get happy with that this year. If you can get 50% into the playoffs, I think that's a pretty good ratio this season. This season's yeah, been really So tough. much luck this year with injuries and yeah. everything else. I, I agree wholeheartedly. Okay, let's go to some fantasy or reality here as we close things out. Let's start off with the Tennessee Titans. Titans uh, really starting to look like they are struggling, and they really took a step back against the Colts last week. But the question is, fantasy or reality, the Titans are still the favorites in the AFC South. Is that fantasy or reality, Joe? I'll tell you what, Craig. I really thought about this a long time, and I've gone back and forth, but I think I'm going to land on it's a fantasy. And it's not because I love Indianapolis. Uh, I think it's encouraging that Indianapolis is starting to get some productivity out of their wide receivers, most notably Michael Pittman, who we'll talk more about tomorrow. But they're also getting a little bit more out of the running back situation here. They're getting a lot out of Naheem Hines, which I think is stunning to a lot of us. Uh, but it's also because of where the special teams are right now for Tennessee. And I think if Tennessee is going to be one of these teams, it's probably not going to blow people out, although they played better defensively last week. I think it's also a matter of what are you going to do when you come down close to games, when you have to make that big punt? They've gone through several punters this year. What are you going to do when you have to make that big field goal? And Goskowski missed eight of them on the season. That's how you win these tight games at the end of the year when you're talking about, like, inches. You're talking about everybody's fighting, and you're talking about all these teams. And, you know, right now in this division, it's basically a two-team race. But to me, Craig, I am really concerned with their ability to overcome small margins and win by the inches. And I think that is unfortunately a big problem for Tennessee. So I do not think they are the favorites. Now, I think they are still in this playoff hunt. I think they are for real. I think the offense is still very good. I'm encouraged by what I saw this past Thursday defensively from them. I think it was a much better effort from them. They got a lot more pressure on the quarterback. They played better. They just had a terrible confluence of events over five minutes where it was a terrible punt followed by a turnover and then another uh, uh, missed field goal and all of a sudden the defense was just on the field way too much there for a period of time and i think that all kind of took its toll but for me right now i think it's got to be the colts in that division what do you think yeah i mean that that really to me is is emphasizing too much on one game i'll i will still say they are the favorites every team has a slump over the course of the season you're seeing it with seattle right now you're seeing it with tennessee um 
I, I think they are the favorites. I, I know they lost to the Colts, but it was just to me it was a one game scenario there. Indianapolis better defense, better special teams. I think Titans eventually get back right again. And look, they came out of COVID playing fantastic, and and it seemed like they wanted to prove a lot of people wrong, and they did, and now they've gone the other way a little bit. So I, I think it comes down to the end. I think it'll be very close. I don't have a strong opinion here, but I will say they are still the favorites in the AFC South, and that's because just I'm not a fan of the quarterback on the Colts, and and I think that have they played each other twice or just once? Has, has it been twice yet or no? It's been the once. If they play one more. Um, yeah, I, I think Titans beat him the next time. That would be a guess. I, I think Titans beat him the next time. I'll, I'll look at the line and, and have more of a determination on that. But the line was just telling you that the Colts were going to win that last game for whatever reason. Uh, so I will say uh, reality. They are still the favorites in the South. Okay, now let's move on to Major League Baseball. And Marcelo Zuna has been with the St. Louis Cardinals and then the Atlanta Braves. And and look, with the Cardinals, he, his contract was running out. And then he ended up signing a one-year deal with Atlanta, a show-me deal. He ended up doing very well with them, playing designated hitter. And there's mm-hmm. some feel that that is his future right now. Not left field, but DH. He was Gold Glove Award winner in Miami, but then... He's, he can't throw as well as he used to for whatever reason. Something happened there. Fantasy or reality, Marcelo Zuna Joe will finally sign a multi-year deal. Man, I hope this is reality. I mean, what more does this guy have to do? I don't think people realize how good over 60 games Ozuna was, especially the last 30. The guy led the National League in home runs and in RBI. He slashed 338 with a 431, 636 slugging. I mean, geez, man, I don't know what it takes to get more. And he's only 30. It's not like he's super old. So, yes, I think that the looming unknown about the baseball CBA in 2021 is certainly a factor here, whether or not the DH, I think we're gonna have clarity on that in a little while here, but I mean, come on. I think somebody has got to go out there in this market and give this guy at least a two year deal for Marcelo Zuna. Look what he did. Look what he's able to do. And I understand he's streaky and I understand that, you know, he could have had a 60 game stretch where he looked terrible because he's done that in the past. But I don't know, Craig. I, after watching him last year, I don't think it's another one-year deal for him. What do you think? I think it's a reality, but I, I don't think it'll be more than two years. That that I don't oh. see. I, I think two will be good. Maybe there's a chance at three he would have to have, I, I think, multiple teams involved on wanting to do that. I, I think there's more of a trust factor there. But this is the hard part about projecting any of the offseason is not knowing if there's a designated hitter because, Joe, you go from 15 teams wanting him to 30 teams wanting him. If there is a DH out there, his competition at DH would be Nelson Cruz, essentially. So I do think he gets a multi-year deal. I don't think it'll be more than two, maybe three at the most. If he gets anything more than that, then he's had a great offseason. But Mm. until we know if the designated hitter is coming to the National League, then there's only 15 spots for one guy. And yep. and, and it's really unfortunate because I, I thought that he was a really good defender in Miami, but I saw him play in St. Louis. I'm sure you saw the highlights, too, of him jumping no, off the wall good. and falling down and yeah. all that stuff. I don't know what happened to his defense, but it definitely regressed. So I will say reality. He gets a two-year deal. All right, let's close it out. Happy birthday to Martin Scorsese, turned 78 years old today and has made some of the greatest films of all time, especially some of the greatest gangster mafia films of all time too i would say i think that's the terminology for it fantasy reality martin scorsese is america's greatest film director you'd be more educated on this on that <laughs> fantasy reality for you well sir first of all 
Happy birthday, Marty. I think everybody loves a good uh, Scorsese movie. If you don't like Goodfellas or Casino or those movies, then I don't know what's wrong with you. Uh, I don't think you have to be from the neighborhood to appreciate Goodfellas. I mean, I think that's one of those movies that when it's on or Casino, when it's on, I don't know about you, but I end up watching the rest of it. I don't know if it's just me, but I find myself looking up an hour and a half later and go, oh, right. I had things to do, but instead I ended up watching the rest of Goodfellas. I think it's fantasy. I still think it's Spielberg. And I think it's because of what Spielberg's been able to do over his career when, you know, he can give you Jaws, but he could also give you Schindler's List. And Scorsese, I think, is a all-time great director. I mean, nobody's arguing that. It's just, you want to call him greatest? I think it becomes tricky because I think some of those period pieces like Age of Innocence or even Gangs in New York where Marty kind of, you know, branches out from his norm is not his skill set. I think Raging Bull that's where Marty Scorsese lives. Those kind of gritty, realistic, tough guys from the neighborhood storytelling. That to me is where he lives. I hated The Irishman. It was so long and, and plotting and terrible. I just did not like it at all. I, I liked it. I thought the last oh. half, half hour was completely awful. Oh, I agree with that. Brutal. Oh, my God. So bad. I don't know what and, they and were I, doing there. That last half hour and, was just. I mean, even even remakes white. like Cape Fear, great movie. You know, I I think yeah. I think Scorsese is always a- at his best with De Niro, but he's also always at his best when he's telling those kind of stories. And when he branched off into some of the other things, I think it kind of was difficult. Whereas, look at Spielberg; he can give you he can give you Jurassic Park, he can give you Schindler's List, he can give you Jaws, he can give you the popcorn movie, he can give you the serious contemplative film. And I think uh, that is something that. I would say Spielberg is probably our prize, but Marty's probably two or three, right? It, where is where is Francis Ford Cop- Coppola in that? Is he? Well, here's the thing: if, if you ask me, I mean, Coppola. To I mean, I still think The Godfather is the greatest film ever made. Probably, I think it's right up there. And you can talk about the Citizen Kane's and The Godfather. Yeah, I, and all I, I think so too. But I think after The Godfather, you can look around and, you know, there's there's movies he made before, like The Conversation and some other films Coppola's made. But Coppola hasn't had a, nearly the body of work that Martin Scorsese's had of great films. He may have the greatest peak, but I think when you look back at Coppola's career, it was a peak that happened in the 70s and in the 80s gotcha. and 90s and not a lot of great Coppola films. Who made Taxi Driver? Who I always forget. Uh, Taxi Driver is another Scorsese film, too. Is it? Okay. Yeah. So yeah. I think that that sounds accurate. Yeah. I think that that, and, and listen, Spielberg is a great example because the movie, you know, he's, he doesn't do nearly as much as he did back then, but you know, having ET and some of the you know close encounters. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's no doubt that uh, he's made his mark. And I, and I think that I would probably agree with you there. So I will say uh, fantasy, not the greatest uh, director of all time, uh, but pretty close, I would say. What's his next film? Has he announced one? It seems like everything is now uh, going online. I, I saw some Wonder Woman 1984 not going to the theaters now and, and going on. I don't HBO know. Now. You know what? I don't know what's going on there. And also Black Widow and the Marvel movies have all been pushed back, too. I think they were hoping to have them in fall release. That's not happening. I know James Bond got pushed to next summer. So I, there's a lot of movement. They don't want to release these movies online because of all the hype that they had for them. But I think if they start to look at the landscape of where things are right now, it's kind of tough to keep holding them and holding sure. them, especially when they can make money off of them. And uh, I know the Wonder Woman movie we were excited about seeing, same thing. And by the way, just so you know, Craig, I finished season one of The Mandalorian this weekend. Are you proud of me, my friend? Good. Wow. I'm on to season really two. I'm on to season like two. It? I really good? enjoyed it. I thought it was. It got really oh. good towards the end, and I love the last episode too. Directed and written by Taika Watiti, one of my favorites. So very good by okay. there you say that okay coming back we will have the sports 60 and then we'll wrap it up for this tuesday stay on the grid i'll be right back don't go away.
early line. And I do believe that on paper, still, the Eagles are the best team. Are they the value yeah. in this division, Kev? I think in an ideal world, FanDuel gives us a Eagles win the division yes, no bet. And you just okay. take plus money. You can't lay 165 with the Eagles right now. All of these teams are going to still be dogs in almost all of their games because there's a real world where these are the four worst teams in the conference. The Sports Grid Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today here on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. You want to catch any of our show on demand, head on over to our YouTube channel. We're playing it back for you. We're running it back for you every day. Have a fun show tomorrow all in store for you, so make sure you stay right here on SportsGrid. And let's turn it over to Joe for his final edition here on the program today of the SportsGrid 60. That's how we're going to end. Joe, what you got? It didn't make the headlines for us today, but it's worth noting that Andy Reid signed a contract extension yesterday. And I, for one, am very happy. I was living in Philadelphia throughout the Andy Reid era. And let me tell you, you don't know what you got till it's gone. Andy Reid was a wonderful head coach there who ran up against some juggernaut teams, but he was competitive every single year, taking his team to NFC Championship game after NFC Championship game after NFC Championship game. He got them to the Super Bowl. He coached Donovan McNabb and Terrell Owens. That was not always the easiest thing to do in a city that demanded results all the time. And finally, he got out to Kansas City and got a second chance, and he got the quarterback that he's been waiting his whole career to have. And if you don't think Andy Reid isn't a, a Hall of Fame football coach, where you're just wrong, because he is. He's absolutely a Hall of Fame football coach, and I'm so happy for him at this stage of his career that he gets to sit back and game plan for Patrick Mahomes. And right now, they look like the Super Bowl favorites again, in my opinion, and I think that is just great for one of the all-time good guys in the NFL who has dealt with a lot of personal adversity, a lot of professional adversity, and not enough good things can happen to Andy Reid. So good on you, Andy. Contract well-deserved. And from one new era of, of Chiefs football with a new contract for Andy Reid, we saw the end today, maybe the end of the winning era for the Chicago Cubs. That's got to be a hard pill to swallow because – you thought that when the Cubs were good and they won that World Series that they were going to be good for three years, four years, five years. And that really hasn't been the case. It was kind of a short, open and shut case for the Cubs. And remember, they had to win game seven of the World Series against the Cleveland Indians after that Robert Davis home run. Uh, Theo Epstein did a great job. There's no doubt about it. But I don't think that his job is done. I do think that there is more to come. Everybody needs a break every once in a while. Everybody needs to kind of take a step back, self-evaluate life, self-evaluate your position. So I applaud Theo Epstein for doing that. Unfortunately, it could come at the expense of being the Cubs the other way. That'll do it for the show. Thanks again to LTN, Danny, and of course our Brett for Joe Pia. I'm Craig. Hope you have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. See ya. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.